Hey, it's great to be here. It's, it's great to be here in, uh, in, in Cromwell. This is my old. Uh, this is my old camping ground. I was going to say my old stomping ground. ground. Yeah, at, um, at the Sunhaven Motor Camp, which has been renamed. Some of you might even know it's been there, I guess. But in the old uh, in the old days, my dad was actually brought up here in Cromwell, and um, and my grandfather was an accountant for the mayor uh, here in town, and uh, they moved from Dunedin, where my great grandfather. Um, founded publishing and, and advertising in New Zealand and all that kind of drama. So, uh, you know, we're, we're generations of that. And now church planters as well. And uh, so it was really interesting being back here this morning. Um, and you guys are well planted now. Um, but um, my grandfather used to preach around here. And from Queenstown to Roxbury, he called the Valley of the Philistines. <laughs> <laughs> I try this side. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like that lip thing, you know, like you were talking about. And, uh, you know, when I was like thinking of you guys this morning, I, uh, well, through the week as well, um, and I remember saying to Ray and Shan when they were coming through here, my grandfather used to say this was a really, really hard place to, to bring a, a gospel message, you know. And, um, and uh, but at the same time, he just persisted in all of that. And uh, it, it leaves an amazing heritage, so uh, so that's really cool. So you look really nervous. I'm the one that's nervous. Right. <laughs> it's like I met this young guy this morning from from Kuwait, which is awesome. So I thought I was cold. You must be flipping freezing, you know. Like so anyway. So uh, welcome from Kuwait. You know, just if you're visiting here, so uh, that's really really great. And I've got a son who works in Doha, who starts his car. Uh, he tells me uh, by remote. Um, when he looks outside and it's 53 degrees, you know, so hits it and starts it and so the aircon kicks in and leaves it for a quarter of an hour and then gets in. And uh, they don't even turn them off at, at service stations, you know, go in there to fill up with gas, you know, he's got some, I don't know, huge machine that he drives and uh, he fills it up with gas, costs him 20 uh, $20 US to fill it up. <laughs> See, what do you want for Christmas, Dad? Bring me some barrels of gas. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, it's great to be here. I'm very proud of these guys. And um, what Ray said before was, was true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it was true. I used to see him walking along the sides. Our church sort of goes round like an amphitheater. And, um, and uh, it's just like, I remember seeing him sort of skulking. Uh, not sulking, he was never a sulker. He was a skulker. And uh, he would be skulking up around the sides. And um, I was going, who's that guy? You know, and I remember, uh, I think it was Lyle um, that said, yeah, he's just trouble. <laughs> but he did it with a twinkle in his eye, so I knew that there was real, uh, that there was real potential in this guy. And just an amazing person who's got a degree in linguistics. You're the only person I know in my life that has a degree in linguistics, elocution. And so, you know, it's just great to see uh, these guys. I married them and uh, just seen their, uh, you know, as they fell in love and, uh, and uh, changed the worship league for us as well. It's great seeing you up here again this morning, so it's good. So I'm very proud of these guys, seeing their kids, dedicated their kids, and say, here they are, uh, here we are in Cromwell again. And um, you know, I'm just having this whole nostalgia trip yesterday, Burn Cottage Road was where my dad was, was brought up. He went to Logan High School and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't think Logan's here anymore, right? Eh? Under the lake or something. It's still there, is it? Oh, wow. Yeah. He was always scared that when they talked about the lake coming out, all his favourite haunts would be. He owned a gold mine as well, which was really cool. But 
I hate a soul, but anyway. There's a hole in there. Hole there was made from school here, at least they, they, enough to live on. But um, yeah, there we go. So heritage is an amazing thing. And, um, you know, just, just in the short, I just want to share a couple of things with you. But heritage was one of the things I wanted to share. By the way, when I speak, sometimes people get healed. And so that's so. So if you're crook this morning, anybody? Okay. Oh, okay. You're all cooked. That's awesome. Who's got paralysed arms? Oh, all of you. That's, that's amazing. So, we get a breakthrough this morning. This is awesome. Uh, I say that because that what happens. Um, uh, I've had people with all kinds of things getting healed lately. And um, I, about three weeks ago, I was in uh, Auckland, and uh, I just said, like, I just said, now, look, when I when I speak, sometimes people get healed. So if you've got some issues, you know, and I particularly see them in your hands, um, particularly in the thumb areas, um, which was uh, true for then, and, and I, I, I was thinking this this morning, maybe true now, but pain in your hands and your joints and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, I just said that, so if I'm speaking, you know, let me know or whatever. And um, so this guy comes up to me, um, and he's, he's in Auckland, um, lives in Auckland now, but he's from a UK rock group. Uh, so 25 years, I've never heard of it, um, but apparently he was sort of famous. Some of you might know because you're younger than me. It's called Elbow. No, no, I never heard of it either. It's some alternative thing. But then I got on YouTube and they're relatively famous, you know. So the drummer was there. So he comes up to me. He's really, really excited because he can't use his thumbs. And um, so he's flexing his thumbs and bringing them up and bending them over. So I had to push my thumbs back into place. And he said, now that, look, look, it's amazing. It's amazing. That happened when you were speaking this morning. And, and, you know, I was, I was like, excited, but he was way more excited. And, um, and so that's really good. So I just want to put that out there so, uh, you know, who knows? And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going for hair growth. Um, <laughs> I can raise his beard, man. So. <laughs> that's all of that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things about heritage is, uh, is that stuff gets passed on. And I, got, I got a lot of things passed on to me. And many of them, particularly in around church, was conservatism. And, um, and so, you know, in our family, we believed in the Father, the Son, and the... And what's his name? And, um, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I was, it was an incredibly conservative upbringing and, and background and, and all of that kind of stuff. Can I just pop that up there? Yeah, thank you. And, um, uh, and so one of, those, um, one, of those, uh, one of those things can be... It can be really daunting sometimes. I speak around the world and... Um, and so that conservative can creep up on me sometimes and can put a lid or a fire blanket on me. And uh, sometimes, it, it, you know, God wants me to break out. But when I looked just recently, because my mum died just a few weeks ago, and uh, she was 97, so she's really happy. She wanted to be with Jesus. And um, in fact, we, were, we celebrated her 97th birthday with Blue Cod, which is her favourite, and, and uh, went out to a restaurant with 12 of us and we celebrated. And she's Irish, so half of me is Irish and half of me is Scottish, this background, this Scottish background right here. And, and, and then my, my, my other grandfather was a priest, backslidden obviously, he had 12 children, but, uh, and, uh, and his name was Father Anthony, or Father Tony came from Ireland. And, um, and so he, he fell out with the church and, and uh, came and met my grandmother and had 13 kids actually, one of them died. Um, so my mum came from a big family and there's three of them left, now there's only two of them left. But um, anyway, she's great. So I'm half Irish, half Scots. So you know, half me wants to get drunk, the other half doesn't want to pay for it. You know? <laughs> one of those crazy people. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's always something that gets a little late. But and um, so, so, the, uh, so, so I've got this kind of crazy kind of mixed up heritage, if, if, if you know, because the, the Scottish side is really, really Calvinistic. So really, really conservative. Really, they didn't believe in the power of God. Uh, they wouldn't believe that people got healed or filled with the Holy Spirit or touched by God or anything like that. You know, you just follow the rules, and if you kept the rules, you were okay, and uh, you'd get there in the end. You know, the Irish guys—they just like go and get drunk, and uh, and uh, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd eventually come to my mother, who was the only Christian in the family, who the only person who came to faith. So the day after her 15th birthday, she went to a tent meeting. Uh, you know, like a tent revival meeting in Invercargill, which she never left. I was just telling folks last night, she only left Invercargill once in her life. That's pretty crazy, eh? Like, in the, in the sense of, not, not the area, the south of the area, just come up around here, but to go anywhere other than, you know, Southland. And so it was quite crazy, really. And um, so here she was, yeah, you know, day after her 15th birthday, and goes to a tent revival meeting, gives her heart to Jesus, it's radically born again. Two days later, gets water baptised. And, and then two days after that, it takes communion for the very first time in her life at a little church. And eventually stayed there um, until she was in her 20s and met my dad. And, um, and so they, you know, got married and, you know, amen, here I am. And um, it's magic. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, the, the, that, that heritage of... of of being born again, and, and, and my mum and dad were uh, always supporting missions, and uh, we always had pastors and Bible college students, and all kinds of people, and waifs and strays, and you know, living in our home or staying with us, and all that kind of thing. I could bring anybody home from school, and uh, if they're in trouble, and, and uh, mum would feed them, and all that kind of stuff. But she, she passed away the other day, and um, I was talking to her after her birthday, and just said, Look, you know, I'm going away up to North Island, so I'll be back in a week. And um, she was going, oh, we'll be good, and I'll be praying for you, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then she said, I don't know why I'm still here. And, uh, and I said, well, it's because you're breathing. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, she, she, that Irish thing, so you can laugh and all that. And, and she said, I've done everything I want to do. And um, I said, yeah, I, I get that. I said, well, God's just like a dentist. He said, He'll stick his head in the waiting room and go, next, please. And, uh, and, 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 and then you can go. And she goes, and she laughed and all that kind of stuff. Well, three days later, the home rang me. I was in the North Island and said, look, your mum's not doing too good. She uh, doesn't want to get out of bed this morning. The day after that, they ring me back and said, she's just given us instructions to keep her warm, comfortable, and let her go. So I thought, I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> she was going home. So uh, I, I eventually got home, and she, she said to me she was quite weak at that point. But she basically made a decision to go home. There was nothing wrong with her. Well, you know, I used to work in the hospital for 30 years. We would find something that was wrong with her. But, I mean, at the end of the day, she just said, I want to go home. I don't want to see my 98th birthday. I've had a great birthday. Thank you very much. And, you know, it, it, yeah, forgive me for taking you on that personal journey, but the heritage was important for me. Yeah. Um, because I, I stand on the prayers of people like my, my parents. And others as well. And some of you may not have that, but trust me, you're here today because someone prayed for you. Because someone believed in you. Because someone prayed a healing for you or prayed that God would influence you in some way or someone just bribed you to come to church with them. (laughs) I don't know, but you are here specifically because, you know, God wants to have an encounter with you. And I'm all about that. And I've discovered that. And the reason I did that is because of my really conservative roots here in Cornwall. 
because they didn't believe in any of those, those kind of, you know, strange encounters or, 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 or things. I, I love what the scripture says in Acts 5. I just want to read this one scripture this morning. It just says, um, through the hands of the apostles, this is in Acts 5, this is the early church, all right? So this was the church plant of church plants. And um, so it, it's through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders um, and uh, were, were done through the people, uh, done amongst the people. And they were all with one accord in Simon's colonnade, and that none of the rest of the people did to join them. But the people esteemed them highly, and the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and, and laid them on beds and couches. That's why I talk about healing now. Because it just goes with the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's just like people get healed uh, around. I met a lady on the Queenstown Wharf. Uh, my wife um, uh, uh, was uh, is an amateur photographer, and uh, she met a photography friend on the wharf. And we're minding our business. The other gal who didn't know had a friend with her. And so I'm, I'm that guy now. There's the three women talking. And then the other one, who's not the friend, so she doesn't have much conversation. So her and I go, go hi, how are you? you know, and uh, hey, and, um, and so what do you do? And uh, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I, I then said that Kiwi question to her, how are you? you know? And she said, oh, I'm not, I'm not too good. I said, oh, what's the story? So I'm just on the way to the physio because I've had a shoulder reconstruction. I, I've had this uh, cult, uh, rotator cuff thing going on. And, um, and if surgery's gone bad, and they said it's going to be like in a bad way, I can't move it for a year. Uh, and so I had to get physio and all that kind of stuff. I went, oh, that's terrible. And, and I said, um, listen, I'm doing this all around spiritual healing at the moment. And, um, and I, didn't, I didn't know where she was at. I don't know where she was at with God or who cares. And, um, and so I, I, I just said to her, do you mind? I, I've got to do the study and I've got to get some people to practice on. Do you mind if I practice on you? And she said, no, no, no. And, uh, and so I said, oh, that's awesome. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put my hand on, on your shoulder. Is that okay? I'm just going to pray. And, um, and uh, we'll just release healing for you. Is that good? And she was pulled. The other two stopped talking at that stage. You know? So I wanted to have an encounter. So I put my hand on her shoulder. And, uh, and I just, I just, right now, right, I just released healing for her shoulder in Jesus' name. And, um, and I said, well, how was that? And she goes, no, it's still the same. I said, well, that's okay. I said, we'll have another go, shall we? And we talked about it for, for like 10 seconds. And uh, so I put my hand back and I just, I just continue really healing into the shoulder right now in Jesus' name. And she said to me, um, and I took my hand off the house and she said, oh, that girl, it was fuzzy. Like fuzzy, like fuzzy bee, or just just like fuzzy. So I said, "How about third time?" Like that's quite a Christian way to do it. And so I went, "Okay." So she she was happy. The moment I reached out to touch her, I just felt heavy impression that there was a, a spirit of infirmity. It was just like the Holy Spirit said to me, just break, the, break, just break this whole spiritual thing. Uh, and so as I touched her, I said, I just break the spirit of, of infirmity. Uh, right now. She shot her arm up in the air, just about took my face off. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! I mean, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. That's great theology. And she was just like, and, and of course that stopped the whole conversation on the on the walk at that point. You know, she was her friend, so she said, "I've got to go to the physio." So anyway, a few days later, she contacted us through Dale's friend, Dale's my wife, 
And um, the physios basically discharged her. I don't want to see it because there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. Um, wow. she can do. So God just does random stuff like when you hear that stuff, and the, and the reason that I say that in sharing the testimony is that the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. That's what it says in Revelation. And the more you tell your story, and the more you tell the story, that heck, steal someone else's story and tell it. Because, you know, if you don't, I don't have any flash stories. There's many around, so you just find one and, and just tell it. And, um, and because that, the power of that of that release is still on there. Yeah, when you testify about what Jesus has done, there is a spirit of prophecy. There is the power of the prophetic on that statement. And the fact that I told that story this morning, if you've got rotator cuff injury this morning, you, know, you could give that a crack. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> You're a newbie lot, aren't you? I love you. It's all right. It's all right. If these guys like you, you're in good hands, I can tell you. So this whole power of an encounter, it goes on and, and says, um, he say that they, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That was the church plant. That was pretty amazing. So they were activating healing all the time in, in all of this. So that at least the shadow of Peter, that at least the shadow of Shannon, at least the shadow of Ray, put your, put your name there, at least the shadow of Ian or Bill or Jenny or whoever it might be, at least the shadow might fall on some of them. And then that multitude gathered um, from surrounding cities, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by spirits, and they were all healed. That was an amazing an account, and it's just not an historical account, stuff like that's happening all, the, all, the, all, all around the world I, I, I get to see that I get to participate in it but then I get to tell people about it yeah. and this whole power of prophecy the power of encounters on this I had a gal in our church who I've known for many many years and um, came to me just um, a few months ago now and just broken hearted that her son, who's an amazing guy, amazing kid, I've known him well, I've known him all his life actually um, but um, he just, just really went off the rails and declared himself an atheist and all that kind of highly intelligent young man. And, um, you know, been up at uni for a couple of years and just kind of really, really lost his way and just really broke his mum's heart. And, um, and uh, her marriage had failed and, and all kinds of things. And, and so there's been real conflict and bits and pieces like that um, with his dad and all those kind of you know, those things were feeding into that, I guess, in some way. But he had to find his own faith. He, he, he lived on his mum's faith for years. And, um, and so when he got there, he made some great declarations. He, he, he was incredibly intelligent, wrapped his head around lots of philosophy and all kinds of things, and that was great. He was, uh, he was learning and he was hungry to learn. But in the process of that, God faded away. But more than that, he really made some declarations that um, weren't working well for him. And it really began to affect his life badly. And she came to me and she said, you know, I don't know what to do. And, and, I, and I said to her, he only needs an encounter. Now, years ago, as a really good pastor, I would have sat down and we would have worked out a plan. And maybe I could have got to talk to him and maybe I tried to manipulate him in some way to, you know, convince him. But if someone can talk you into something, someone else will come and talk you out. Yeah, that's right. And, and so... You know, the older I get, the more reliant I am on his power rather than mine. Yeah, come on. And, and, and so I remember saying to her, I said, he just needs an encounter. Why don't we pray together that he has an encounter? 
and she 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 just was so she goes yes let's do that and you know it was only within a matter of about two months which is a long time when you're a mum yeah. you know when you're a long time when you're crying out for your kids and uh, you know know what that's like I went through that myself with one of my boys and um, and, uh, and and anyway she rang me just recently she said yeah you, you won't believe it. So why, 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 why won't I believe it? She said he had an encounter. Wow! And he's like, he met he met this group of guys, and uh, they're just hanging out, and um, and they started to pray for him, and uh, and he went into Christian mode. But the power of God came on his life. He's like in this church now in Dunedin, and he's involved in the music, and he's involved in bits and pieces like that. And, and um, she's going, he's just like on fire, and he's found his own faith. And uh, I'm going, wow, God, you are a God of encounters. Yeah. But even even you and I, whatever you carry, what do you think? Oh, my faith's not as good as that. If your faith is the size of a mustard seed, you know, people if they get into the shadow of what overshadows you. And we do doubt ourselves. We, we, we doubt that this amazing God could really work through us. You know, we we know ourselves. God, you don't you don't know me. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's really good like that. And still accepts us. We try to jump through a whole bunch of hoops and try, you know, we try to do all kinds of things to win his approval like we would do any earthly path or any earthly relationship. The Bible says this God is not a man. He's not a man that he should lie. But he's not a man. Just leave it at that. He's not humanity as we know it. He far transcends that. And so when I have failed utterly, I can still lift my hands and go, God, I need you. And he accepts me. And that's the astonishing thing. So that whoever overshadows me, it's not my shadow that will heal people. It's not your shadow. But if you allow him to overshadow you, it's phenomenal. I'll finish with this. That just opened Burn College Road. There was a support to a mission in India, uh, and it was a, a mission in a little town called Mukti. I didn't know that. I didn't know that my great-grandfather was the president of the Mukti Missionary Society. He may, may not mean anything to you, it really didn't mean anything to me. But I told a story for years, one of the stories that I stole and borrowed to activate faith in people, because I'm a revivalist. I believe that God can sovereignly visit the town, or in Vicarbo, or Tapri, or Timbuktu, and everything changes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and it's at the response of jumping through hoops, no, it's just because he's sovereign. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he looks for hungry hearts. Yes, there is a, a place where we can reach up to him, all of those kind of things. And so I tell those stories. And one of the stories I told was a little girl who lived in an orphanage in, 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 in India in this mission called the Mukti Mission. And um, one night before they were going to bed, they used to do devotions. It was in 1904, I think, 1905. And so the, the scripture that the matron read out of this girl's orphanage 
was that John was saying about Jesus, one who's coming is mightier than I am. I am not worthy to, to tie his shoes up, basically. I'm not worthy to put his sandals on. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. But when he comes, he will not only baptise you with water, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And, um, and so that was fine. That, that was the like, Let's meditate on that. And I go, meditate. And, um, and then all the girls were sent off to bed. There was one little girl who didn't, didn't quite want to get into bed because that affected her. You see, the faith comes by hearing. Whether it's your prophecy, whether it's about the story of a lady being healed on a, on a wharf in Queenstown, or whether it's reading from the Word. Or, you know, uh, one word can bring that into account. Yeah. And it brought it to this little girl. And she kind of dragged her heels a little bit, getting into bed. And then, to the horror of all of the other girls in the room, started to get down on her knees beside her bed behind these bunks and started to pray. And the matron apparently was pretty feisty. And so if the girls weren't in bed, she would really dish out punishment for everybody in the room. That was kind of the way it was back then. And, um, and so here they were, and this, one, this little girl started rocking back and forth, praying, God, baptize me in the Holy Spirit and the fire. And, uh, she, and the girls were going, you've got to get back in the bed. You know, you've got to go to bed. And um, she, just, she just zoned them out, and, and she just started to, to interact with God. And she started crying out to him and crying out to him and crying out to him. The other girls could hear the matron coming. They were like, get in the bed. And then, and just before the matron came into the room, the little girl's prayers were answered. But they were answered in an unusual way because she burst into flames. <laughs> yeah, I know. We are so Western, eh? And so here she is now, still crying out, God, baptize me in fire, baptize me in fire, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And here she is, ablaze on the floor. And the girls are freaking out. The matron comes in and sees the girl on fire and um, and then runs for a fire bucket. Which was the early version of the fire extinguisher. Yes. And um, and as the matron's coming up, and you're the little girl on fire. Sorry about that. And, um, and so and she gets the bucket and she's going to pour it over. So you know, suddenly she realised while she was burning, she wasn't being consumed. Uh, remember most of this burning bush. Yeah. And so here's this little girl being. Been, uh, praying, still praying, crying out to God, really up, caught up in an ecstasy. And, and, and this, this, these flames are, are leaping up, and everybody's freaking out. They're just running around in the room. It's like maybe. But that night, the power of God sovereignly came on that orphanage, and all those girls got filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, she was the only one that got the flame thing. And that never happened again, you know. Like, but here's this little girl, she was completely transformed. But the, the amazing thing was that revival swept through that orphanage for months. School lessons were suspended, um, there was prayer meetings, the girls would go and dance into villages and lead people to Christ, all those things. And then one day the missionaries went, this is really bad because we don't believe in this. Because we believe in God the Father, the Son, and what's his name. And we don't really believe God does this stuff anymore. While it was happening in their midst. Now I'm a, I'm a student of revival. I, I, 
I've, I've been an amateur historian, revival historian for many, many years. And every move of God that I have discovered in the last 300 years has been stopped by people feeling uncomfortable. And, um, and that's what happened. And sadly, my grandfather was part of that. My great-grandfather, I should say. The interesting thing was that when the revival did stop, men and women do contain the fire of God in whatever form it comes. And, and so when it was contained, you can't contain God. Because he just broke out and went to another orphanage. Apparently he went to the Lutherans. <laughs> well, Martin Luther was probably not happy about that either, but nonetheless, revival came and no fire happened, but, 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 but the orphanages were transformed. It went to the Methodist ministry when they shut it down. It went to the Methodist ministry. It went to the YWCA, the Young Women's Crystal, which was a brand new organisation way back in the day. And the power of God came in. And the reason I'm closing with that is that, that God continues to want to revive people. Yeah. Either individually or corporately, he wants to come and do that. And, and, uh, and, and the, the thing is, it's part of encounter. But it's part of my heritage. Because I told that story before I knew. And I remember going through my mum's stuff. Um, and this was, she went into a, to a retirement village. And um, I remember going through my mum's stuff. And I, I, I came across a whole pile of paper that were part of my dad's stuff. And all, you know what it's like, suitcases full of stuff. And, um, and I found this kind of quarter of a ream of paper. And on the top of it, I had just this amazing moment. On the top of it, I pulled it out and it was like the Mukti Mission, the Burning Bush Mission. That's what it was called. And, and he was my great-grandfather, the president of the mission. My great-aunt was the secretary of that. And I remember sitting back on my heels looking at it, going, oh my goodness, it's part of me. It's part of Cromwell. It's part of heritage. And when I met my own flame, which really is my wife, she's ministering this morning in a church called the House of Breakthrough in Omaru. And um, we prayed for each other on the phone this morning. She's feeling a bit under the weather and all of that. But the interesting thing was that when I met her, I, I was a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 11. But I really was just religious. And the great thing about Dale was she had been baptised with the Holy Spirit and she made me hungry for more. And the first person I ever heard speak in tongues, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but whatever your tradition is, but it certainly wasn't mine. And when I started to speak in other tongues, I didn't even know what it was. And they had to tell me what it was. And when, I, when they did tell me, I went, oh, I could have done that when I was 11. It was just like it was sitting out there. And that took them then, it took them an hour and a half to shut me up. <laughs> but it transformed yeah, from this conservative kid with a lid on to someone who was hungry that God would move again. Oh, why don't you just sing with me this morning? Forgive me, I've taken way too much time. I want you, in your own way this morning, just to do this. Either lift your hands or just cup them in front of you. But I want you to take a posture of reception this morning. It's a, a posture actually not only of reception but of also surrender. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for these amazing people who've come out in this town 
they believe they can make a difference in their community. With Pastor Ray and Shannon, Lord, with their heart to to see you move. They've they've listened to my messages of revival coming not only just to big cities in our nation, but into small towns and villages and hamlets. They've picked up that prophetic word, and you're part of that. And as we lift our hands this morning, Lord, I pray for every shadow that you cast. I pray for every prayer that you pray. I pray for the hunger to increase. Father, I pray for the shadow to increase. Father, I pray for your presence to increase. And I pray for your fire to increase. Lord, you would send revival into the valley of the Philistines. You would send a stone that would slay a giant. Then, Lord, that that this would be a land, this would be this would be a region known for the hunger of God and for the reception of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I bless every person, every family that's here today, whether they've come from Kuwait or whether they've come from just down the road. Lord, I speak life to you in Jesus' name. Healing and wholeness. Who can say amen to that? Amen. God bless you guys. It's been great listening with you. It really has. I'm looking forward to having a couple with you. <laughs>